You mentioned Ukraine. I was there last year. The biggest thing for me with Ukraine is speaking Russian is a huge advantage. And I, I know you speak Russian. Where did you actually learn Russian? I wouldn't say I speak Russian. I speak uh, survival Russian. So as far as navigating daily life, I'm fine. But anything outside of that, it's not so hot. It does help a lot in a place like Ukraine, where I found people didn't really speak English. I've been in for three years. And just in that time, that's actually changed a lot more people speak English, I would say. Mm -hmm. But Russian is, I'd say, 60% of what people are speaking there and then 40% Ukrainian. That's an arbitrary guess. And that's in Kiev. But if you go to Lviv, it's mostly all Ukrainian. Linguistically, it's a bit of a tricky landscape there for sure. Yeah. For people that are not familiar with your story, if you could just tell the listeners where you currently live or where you're based and why you travel to these destinations that I guess are not on most people's radars. Yeah, well, I, I currently live in Ukraine. My fiance and I are in the south of Portugal getting some sun because Ukrainian winters are a little brutal. But based out of Ukraine, and I'm just off in the world making videos. I have a YouTube channel and I go to countries that like the ones that you seem to be interested in too, that are typically represented poorly in Western media. Typically, I can speak for an American audience most Americans don't know much about because they just haven't seen much about these places. I was just in Saudi Arabia. I did a series there. I'll be posting one on Pakistan soon. So yeah, I just find that the off the beaten a little more a lot more interesting, let's say. Your series on Saudi Arabia, I found fascinating. I don't know very much about Saudi Arabia, but I have to tell you, it's opened my eyes and I want to go there now. Yeah, it's interesting. If you're curious mind, if you are, then you'll enjoy it, I'm sure. What's the most interesting thing about the place, do you think? When I first was going in, firstly, I thought all women had to be their heads covered. And when I saw the second day, a woman with green hair, spiked green hair walking around mm. with a friend in full cover, it just broke a lot of narratives, right? Like, how could this rebellious woman be with a very conservative one? And it, do, it flips a lot of things on its head like that. And it now seems silly even talking about it now after I, I've seen that. Yeah, that's normal, whatever. So things that are... Let's just say everything happens there, too, in Saudi Arabia. So a lot of it behind closed doors. It's a conservative culture. It's also a very tribal place. It's very much connected. Middle East is great for that. Seeing very, if it's not at war, it's usually very connected, right? Like countries and cultures are very much cohesive. So that part of it's cool. It's a massive country. There are green parts with mountains. There's obviously desert. That's what most of it is. But it's very much mixed up. Yeah, I don't think, I think most people don't realize what there is in Saudi Arabia because it's something like a quarter of the size of the US or even more. It's huge. Did you get out to these other areas? Yeah, I went to the south, the southwest Gizan province. There are actually islands off the coast that are interesting and also the mountains there near the Yemeni border. Hmm. Really cool part of the country, probably the highlight for me. Just high land, mountain landscapes. It reminded me a lot of San Francisco, just the fog coming in and cooling everything down. And just totally different than I would have thought. Would you recommend it to anybody? Okay, firstly, you're going to have to, it's not the cheapest destination because you're going to have to fly the, 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 unless you got a long time, right? The spaces are pretty big. The cities are these Western, let's say US Western style in the sense that they're driving cities, right? So you need a car. You really want a car. I tried walking around Riyadh. Bad idea. It's just, you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
I can imagine. So, so a car is very beneficial. So it's not like the cheap backpacker destination, but it's not super expensive. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And, and on that point, how do you manage to travel so much and uh, how do you support yourself or how do you define your business? Because from the outside, people might see you traveling around and just think you're a rich guy. And maybe you are. But <laughs> if you can tell us a little bit about that. I didn't travel at all growing up. I was always interested in the world. At the age of eight, at Christmas time, for a book on the Soviet Union because it was the culture was demonized so poorly. I thought it was the coolest thing. I knew nothing of what the Soviet Union was. Therefore, I wanted. Therefore, I wanted the book. I was the rebellious kid. And when I saw in the book a Russian couple getting married, it was it was like really amazing for me. I, I couldn't believe they could get married too. Okay, I was eight years old, but that sort of sparked it. Like, why are these such evil people? Why are people presented such a in such a way? Ninety one Iraq War first one started. I saw Iraq in the news for seventy two hours, and it was gone. And it just piqued curiosity. So my first trip was at the age of twenty. I just turned 25 and I went for two years around the world. I saved up 20 grand and that I just did a hot lot of hard labor. I worked restaurants at nights and detailed cars during the day. It was like I had a two year goal. I'm going to save 20 grand. And this was a while ago. This is 2001. So the mm. opportunities like what we're doing now didn't exist so much. So I was going around the world for 20 two years, came back $15,000 in, in cash advances, credit card cash advances at like 28% or something ridiculous. So I dug out of debt for the next year and a half. But yeah, that sparked it. Once I saw that, it just blew my mind. And I've done all sorts of things, but I'll say in the re recent times, I just sold the business. I'm an entrepreneur. So I had I owned uh, a detailing business, and for those that aren't familiar, like cosmetic restoration of exotic cars and planes and boats. And it's something I figured out a while ago, and I had a, te I had a team in the States, and I just ran it from my computer for many years, and that's what allowed me uh, to travel the world. That's what's really been my ticket as far as money. It's not, it wasn't my life calling or passion or anything. I was trying to sell it for years and it just sold this last winter. It just sold in December. Oh, congratulations. So yeah. Thank you. It's just a huge monkey off my back because I've been pushing this YouTube thing seriously since last summer. So the last six, seven months I've been taking it seriously and trying to post every week and, and getting into it before it's just like uploading here and there some travel videos. But now I'm taking it seriously. And so I have a runway from the sale of the business to make this YouTube thing work. And I look at YouTube as uh, obviously a platform that can get the message out there. I don't want to just be a YouTuber, but that's what I'm putting all my energy into now is just building this channel and editing and posting videos. So that's starting to pay. The Saudi series did pretty well. YouTube's a tricky one because it just matters where people are watching from how long they're watching, all these different metrics. But Saudi Arabia worked out pretty well financially, which I was pumped on. It gave me some good oxygen with the YouTube thing. And now, now I'm just pressing on that. I also do some, I have some real estate that I've bought over the years, a couple rental properties that I receive rent from, a few other investments. But I keep things pretty lean for the most part. Do you don't want to be a YouTuber? I do, but I want this to be more than that. I don't want to just 
Right, yeah. yeah I'm almost uncomfortable with the travel vlogger term. I get that's what I am. But I just don't want to pump videos for, for the sake of pumping videos just because I want to show off my travels. I don't care about that. I've done enough traveling. I want to show people. I want to dispel the myth that I was given when I was a kid. I thought all these places were dangerous and these people were dehumanized to some degree. And I'd like to see that I like the other narrative. And so that's what I'm showing. Yeah, I think that's what comes across. Your channel comes across like that. And I don't think you're, you mentioned you don't want to show off your travels. and But I don't, I don't get that impression. And I think you're doing a service to these countries and a lot of people that might be looking for alternative destinations. So that's not the impression I get. And you don't have the typical, I don't want to be mean to vloggers, vlogger music and real fast shots and tons of drones that gives you a headache after a minute everybody's having a great time and we don't know if it's true or not you kind of have a completely different vibe with your channel thank you that's the goal just to put the viewer in the driver's seat let's say and put them into the the situations and i never know how any of these are going to come out some are better than others it it always matters what experience i get into who i meet that's that's really the ticket you're going to continue with these videos and maybe branch out into some other areas. I see on your blog, you mentioned uh, you're going to blog a little bit less, but do some more videos. Yeah, I I wrote for a long time and I've just, you only have so much bandwidth. I like making videos better and it has more impact. So at least on my platform. So I'm going for the video thing full on. So I'm not going to be writing much. Yeah. Was it difficult to get started? Do you have any tips for video bloggers? It's something I'd like to do myself. Just Uh, terrified of the camera, but what would you recommend? And what's your advice to newbie vloggers? Okay, yeah, sure. Plenty of tips. The first one is the obvious. Do what you're super interested in. Sure, yeah. So if whatever that people can feel if you're fake through a video immediately and you're just not going to be successful. So whatever you're interested in, do that. Being shy in front of the camera, yeah, first... I completely sucked. And do you know this website, Stick? Have you ever heard of it? I don't believe so. Okay, so if you want to do something, say I'm going to do a video by next week. I forget what it's called, but you set up a like you set up your Stick account, and so basically I had it set up so I a hundred dollars would be automatically withdrawn from my account and go to my friend if I didn't produce a video by that time. So that was the <laughs> ultimate motivator. I just didn't. <laughs> want to be burned that way and I didn't want to give him a hundred dollars so I stood outside I remember it was in Kiev it was like three years ago my hands freezing and I did 50 60 takes of something that was so terrible and so that was the start and I really it took me a really long time let's say to figure out exactly what I'm doing so I started with that summer a series where I lived with a family that was displaced from war in the east of Ukraine. So their apartment was bombed out and they moved to the countryside to this really, let's say depressing remote place. And I lived with them and I documented that for six weeks. And that was a a documentary series and that did really well in Ukraine. It pretty much all got ripped off my platform, but at least people saw it. And uh, that's sort of start of it. And that was like, I was just gonna learn language. That was my point out of that, but it was so much more. And then it was a dabble, a video here, a video there. So my suggestion to YouTubers is, okay, figure out what you want to do. Go practice and and don't be hard on yourself. And I need to take that advice too. But also be, the algorithm is all about regularity. 
So if you post a video and then uh, two months later you post a video, it's not really going to grow your channel much. There are a few people that can pull that off, but for the most of us, it's not going to work that way. So my channel didn't really start moving until I started posting every week. If you're based in one place, how do you come up with the new ideas? Okay, so I did a series on Iran. This was a big series I did. It was only three videos, but I was there for two weeks. And so I was shooting all this footage and then spending 40 hours, 50 hours of editing each episode. So that's impossible Mm. to do one a week like that. What took me a long time was to figure out my format and my style. So I was taking like four days of footage, chopping it up, trying to create a narrative, trying to keep the narrative flowing. And there was just so many moving parts in it. And now my style is more, there's a start and an end to the day. It's in within the same day usually. There's a start and an end and it goes in chronological order. That alone saves mountains of time. I've always been in the cinema and film and you want to have a rising action and a climax and all these things. And I was trying to do that in the beginning. But now it's I sort of let that go a little bit. And I pace my videos and I try to keep them interesting throughout the whole way and try to peak them in areas. But it's a little more naturally occurring now because of the way I'm shooting. But by doing so, I can be way more efficient. I can go out and shoot a video in a day and edit it. I'm not the fastest editor because I'm a little bit OCD in about two days. So that brings the time down quite a bit. And so the Saudi series, I was there 14 days, I made 12 videos, like I shot 12 videos, and then I edited when I left, after I left. And I see some of those Saudi videos got up to 3 million views, which is incredible. And do you think that the, let's say, better produced videos got more views? Or is there, do you see any patterns there? That's the crazy thing about YouTube. It's the story. I shoot with an iPhone and a GoPro. I don't have the best equipment. And I do so because I want all my interactions to be as natural and authentic as possible. The bigger camera you put in someone's face, the more they feel uncomfortable or it gets weird. So I lose some quality, even though the GoPro and the iPhone is pretty sweet these days. But no, it's not even like that. That's the crazy thing. You think you put more time into editing, you're gonna get more views. It has nothing to do. It really has a lot, another tip, that I've honestly, it's taken me forever to really figure out is your thumbnail and your title is Mm. super important. And I'm no master, I'm not a graphic designer, I don't know how to use Adobe, so I'm doing, I'm using Canva, which is pretty simple edits. But just getting that down and putting more time into that is a huge one, huge. And so I just posted a video on India like an hour ago, but I spent, a few hours just getting the thumbnail down and thinking through the title a little bit. Because think when you're on YouTube, right? You're immediately drawn to something through what it says and how it looks. Exactly. The title and the thumbnail is is everything. Yeah. It's amazing. I was going to ask you what kind of equipment you use to make these videos. And you're telling me it's a GoPro and an iPhone. I'm impressed because I didn't expect that. I thought you had some impressive camera rig. Internal stabilization in the new iPhone 11 is amazing. You don't need a Mm. steady. If you walk, I'm a little bit bow-legged, but if I try to do a smooth walk, it's like the thing looks cinematic, silky smooth. It's crazy. And same with the GoPro. It's really smooth. The one place sometimes you get hurt a little bit is on the audio, but overall they, they both do really well. Yeah, you don't need much. 
Really? Do you use microphones, lapel microphones or booms or anything like that? Or is it just direct to the camera or the phone? It's direct. And so the GoPro 7, I'm going to say the audio is almost not unacceptable, but at the lower end of like just barely making it. And now with the 8, there's a big upgrade towards Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty good. A lot of people won't even notice. So I'm not using many external. I have a little external mic for my iPhone. And some of my earlier work, I would use a lapel. But really, the simpler, at least for my type of shooting, the simpler, the better. Because I'll see something. I got to pull my equipment out in three seconds and capture it. Because it could be the shot that really makes the video. And again, nothing's crafted. Nothing's staged. Nothing. I'm not making the food look like it's dancing off the screen. It's not a food show, even though I'll show food sometime. Like that is second to getting real interaction. And so the easier the equipment is to use, the better. I use a MacBook Pro because I'm used to Final Cut. If I had to start at editing, I'd probably get into Adobe and save a lot of money. Okay. But I'm used to this system, right? And I just don't want to relearn. So I got the laptop and just get something that has enough power, really, enough storage to uh, deal with a lot of video. iPhone, tripod, GoPro. I haven't used a drone the last couple of shoots. Uh, that's really it. Everything can fit in a backpack easily. And also, if you're travel vlogging to some of these countries, it's better if you don't have a bunch of wires and professional looking gear. In Iran, I had a bit, Iran was a tough one because I'm American, but I have an Italian passport through my father. So I never lived in Italy, but I have an Italian passport. Americans are not allowed to travel to Iran without being on a tour, like a formal tour issued by the government. And I went in on my Italian passport. So politics between the US and Iran are horrendous. Right now, I probably wouldn't go back doing it how I did it. But when I was there, I had free access to the country. I didn't have to be on a tour. But look, it's a bit of a paranoid government, obviously, because the West has you know, basically been trying to overthrow for 40 years. And what's the guy coming in with two passports and all this gear? To be doing journalism in Iran is quite a risky proposition. So you just don't want to look like a journalist, say, in some of these places. Would you recommend Iran to other Americans? For sure. I don't know if the policies changed with the guided tours right now, but I think they're still operating. Definitely. For sure. I'm not a big fan of tours, but it's still, it's such a fascinating culture and country and really an amazing place. It's one of my favorite countries. Which country was the most interesting to you that you've visited so far? I would say Iran is up there. Syria. I was in Syria before the war. That was one of my best experiences. So pre-2011, 2010? I was there and I think it was in 2008 I was there. I do the former Soviet sphere. So for example, Ukraine, Georgia, the Stan countries, these are all very interesting places. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Georgia. It's a country I find fascinating and one that most people would not consider visiting because they don't know about it. But uh, even from just visiting, but also from an entrepreneurial point of view, the government seems to be doing a lot to open up the country to entrepreneurs and foreign investment, and it's exploding. Yeah, that country's transformed so much because the first time I went there was 2002, and Shevardnadze was in charge, and he was this relic from the Soviet times, and the place was so corrupt it made... It made Russia look like Mary Poppins. They would set up checkpoints. You just had to pay to walk by the cops. It was that insane. 
Actually, I had to pay a bribe to get into the airport. That's how crazy it was. I had my visa. The airplane landed. All the BMWs and Mercedes came up to the plane, which all the mafios and the businessmen, same thing. And politicians got off, sped off in the cars. I walked to this airport that was just beat up, and I had to pay the customs official there just to get into the airport. It had nothing to do with a visa. I already had my visa. That's how bad it was. And then when Sakasvili took over, he fired all the cops, and he went pretty hardcore, but he really cleaned things up. That corruption on a, a street level, you don't feel the same way, because I went back in 2012, and it was totally different. And now I know it's totally different than then. So yeah, Georgia, I actually, I worked on a travel TV show a long time ago as a cameraman. This is before all this technology. It was 2011. I wanted to make one. I had a big DSLR and I had a cameraman and, and I had any country in the world to shoot in. I saved up the money for a shoot and I, I picked Georgia because it, it ticks a lot of boxes. It has cool people, beautiful culture, beautiful landscapes. It's got the Caucasus. The Black Sea, which is blue with dolphins, wine country. You know what it's like. You've experienced it. It's amazing. It's a very... I haven't yeah. been since 2012, but I'm sure it's still... I think it's getting better. Yeah, a fantastic place for sure. And if there's one place you haven't been already that is top of your list to visit, where would that be? I haven't planned out my spring shooting yet, but I'm looking at... I've been to Palestine a little bit, but I'd like to get into it more. That would be one place. North Korea... I would like to see it just because it's the old Soviet world. Those would probably be the the top places. But at this point, I've traveled a lot and I'm not like dying to see a bunch of places. Like I'm excited for every place. It's great. But it's not like I'm like itching to go to Brazil. I've never been to Brazil. I, it will happen sometime, I'm sure. But it's down the road whenever. Yeah, I think at the start of your travel journey, you just want to see as many places as possible. And after yeah. a few years and a number of countries, you become more choosy and your time is precious. So you don't just want to tick off boxes. You know, I really want to see this country. So you go there. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. If people want to know about you and see what you're doing online, would you recommend the YouTube channel or are there other places you'd like people to check you out on? Sure. It's all under my name, Peter Santanello, and it's uh, the YouTube channel or Instagram or my website, Facebook. Your YouTube channel is fantastic, Peter. Everybody should watch it. So uh, I'll be linking that one up and uh, hopefully we'll send a few more visitors apart from millions you already have. But uh, yeah. Really appreciate it, Peter. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Here, Keith.